Let us turn to the New Testament to read from Second Peter chapter two. Second Peter chapter two. Now we have read certain parts of this chapter a few weeks ago in uh, when we remembered the work of the Lord in Sodom and Gomorrah. And there is a, a wonderful promise in this chapter that the Lord will rescue those like uh, he rescued Noah and, and like he rescued Lot, those who put their trust in him, even though we live in a very, very dark and sinful world. Now, I want to read this to you coming from the Word of God, talking about false prophets. Verse 2 of Second Peter, verse 1 of Second Peter chapter 2. But there, were also, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. <clears throat> they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Let's skip to verse 10. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the sinful nature and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, these men are not afraid to slender celestial beings, Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not bring slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord. But these men blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like brute beasts, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed, and like beasts they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed an accursed brood. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, a beast without speech, who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These mans are like springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who love in error, who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves to, of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever he has mastered him. 
if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Jesus Christ the Savior and again are entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command what is passed on to them. Of them the proverbs are, tr proverbs are true. <clears throat> a dog returns to its vomit, <clears throat> and a sow that is washed goes back to a wallowing in the mud. May the Lord help us to understand this word. Right in the beginning, I want to uh, just explain to you there are just too many things in that chapter to pay uh, full attention to, to everything said in it. And therefore, today I will just uh, touch the principles mentioned in that chapter. My fellow disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, the story is told of a man in India who claims that when the astronauts put their foot on the moon, the Lord Jesus Christ came to into him and he became Christ. He advised his disciples that he now is Christ and that in him alone is safety. On hearing this, many people from all over the world, Germany, Europe and the USA, arrived over there and they are staying with them in huts somewhere at the tip of a mountain in India. They brought huge and large sums of money, all given to this man who declared himself to be Christ. Now, this was some years ago. The reason why I tell you this story is purely to, to point out to you that there are so many gullible people out there that as long as a text or a story or a person sugarcoats his story with a Bible verse, everyone will believe it. I just heard in this week of a group of financial leaders, people who are supposed to know, who were enticed by someone who said that he can multiply their dollar bills by just wrapping it up in a serviette, waving it around, and then give it back to them double the amount. Now, 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 these are leaders of the financial world. One fellow lost $160,000. People are gullible. Some false prophets come in the cloak of very respectful media personalities. They don't live in primitive huts on a mountain. They are indeed much more overt, having the mass media to their disposal, and they lean on the age-old stupidity of the New Age movement. Such a person was Helen Schuckman, who authored a book, A Course in Miracles. She claims to have channeled messages from a New Age Jesus 
who would show us how to thrive in difficult times. Interestingly, the last two years of her life were characterized by deep and chronic depression. She wrote this book in three volumes. And we, I just want to read a few things of what she says here. Because she is a new age medium for Jesus. That's what she says. Things she said is, God himself is incomplete without me. Another thing, God is simply a non-physical love force that is neither vengeful, judgmental, nor punishing, but only loving and forgiving. Another thing, sin is just one grand illusion. Another thing, she says, we have to make this claim for ourselves, saying, I am the light of the world. Another thing, you are one with God. Again, how simple is salvation? It is merely a statement of your true humanity. Another thing, my salvation comes from me. You see, these things happen. You go into the bookshops these days, and you go to the section of self-help and, and, and religion. Where do you find their Bibles? You might be finding one Bible there. The others are all about self-help techniques. And some of them use the Bible to sugarcoat their ideas. <clears throat> and we take this this then takes us to the second letter of the, uh, the Apostle Peter. And if we take the second letter to be the one following the first, which is the first one that recorded in the Bible, we understand that Peter were encouraging new believers in Christ who did not necessarily have a Jewish background. They were new to the faith and therefore they were exposed to extraordinary persecution because of their faith in Christ Jesus. And not only was this hardship that they were exposed to something that came from without the church community, but something that came from within the church community. And that has a lesson. Uh, we have a lesson in that for our church or for the churches today. That most heresies did not start outside of the church, but inside of the church. I remember one of my professors one day said, he looked at us and uh, he was very serious when he said to us, Brethren, take care of yourself about all heresies Start in the, started in the study of a minister. We need to understand that. There were some of their own number who became false teachers they introduced a mixture a mixture of what was then known as the gnostic philosophy with all its branches branches with the christian message this is then is what our chapter is talking about it has a lesson for our day the average Christ, christian can easily be swept away as it says there by every wave of teaching 
There is hardly real biblical discernment these days, and we need to be wide awake, not only because of what we hear in churches today, but also what comes to us in the mass media. Most of these things, in most cases, don't look like it's harmful, but in the end it serves to take us along on a road which leads to destruction. But before we go there, it is important to understand what biblical teaching is as opposed to false teaching. And if you'd like to look in your Bibles, you'll come to the end of the first chapter where Paul, or where Peter then describes the teaching of the apostles. And he makes it clear to the people to, them, to whom he writes that they would understand where he got the truth from. And he states in verse 16, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. The teaching of the apostles, the teaching of the Bible, is the teaching of God. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and therefore it is true. The apostles were eyewitnesses of the ministry of Jesus, and more so in the case of Peter, because he and James and John were with the Lord Jesus Christ the day on that mountain when he was transfigured. And we read about this in Matthew chapter 17. And of this most extraordinary event, Peter now writes when he says in verse 17 and 18, For when he received honor, he, Christ, received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory, by God himself. God said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. All other teachers who do not hold to the teachings of the Lord and the teachings of the scriptures are those who all those who distort these teachings are false teachers. You do not hold to the word of God and take the word of God to be the inspired, infallible word of God, and you are in the ocean of false teaching. This word of God is like the light shining in a dark place. We've read about that, and we need to pay attention to it. Why? Paul, Peter then states the reason for, in the next verse, verse 21 and, uh, and 20 and 21 of the first chapter. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of the scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Therefore, my dear brother and sister, the Bible what we have is the word of God. And we can say that today. That is what the Lord says. Thus saith the Lord. It is his word. It is, it is truth. Never doubt that. And about this word then, it is necessary, necessary that Peter then writes, Therefore, in verse 12 and 13 of the first chapter, I will always be ready to remind you of these things. I will always be ready to remind you of these things. He said, I'm not going to give up to tell you that the Bible is the word of God. We need to understand these things. He said, although you already know them 
and have been established in the truth which is, uh, uh, which is present with you. I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder. What's a reminder? Study the Word. Don't give up studying the Word. You know the Bible? You know the Bible? Go and know it better. Don't give up. The minister asked this fellow, he said, do you read your Bible? And this fellow said, yeah, I've read through it. I've put it, by, put it away on the shelf. Like any other book. No. You cannot get enough of the Bible because God, through his Holy Spirit, is teaching you every time you read it. Don't stop reading the Bible. It nourishes your faith. It nourishes you and gives you direction in your service of the Lord. And even if you have to hear it a thousand times, it will not be enough. Let's sum it then up. The Bible teaching is divinely ordained and handed down by God to people he called for that purpose. Second thing, it is spirit breathed and therefore the truth concerning God in all his will for our lives, that's in the Bible. The third thing, we need to be constantly reminded of the message of the Bible because it will sustain us till the day of the return of Christ Jesus. Okay? You got that. That's important. That's important. Read the Bible. Study the Bible. Read what others say about the Bible and test what they say about the Bible by the Bible. The Bible is its own interpreter. Keep in mind, the Bible sets its standards for itself because it is the Word of God. Now, the false teachers and their teaching. False teachers have been there all the time and it will be there till the return of Christ. And therefore, you and I can never be... Uh, at peace about this it is possible it is possible that even from this pulpit you might hear false teaching how do you counteract that from the Bible that's important in most cases these false teachers are teachers as Second uh, uh, Peter chapter 2 verse 1 puts it among the people it was like this from the earliest days. Heresy is something the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will always have to contend with. At no stage in church history, even in the future of the church, will there not be false teachers. As a matter of fact, these teachers might even proliferate the closer we are to the return of Christ. We read about the cry of Jeremiah today. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who are prophesying to you. They are leading you into futility. They speak a vision of their own imagination, not from the mouth of the Lord. It happened in the time of the Old Testament. There were some of the prophets. They were paid by the king to be the prophets. And they just went their own way. And to, be, to appease the people of the day, they kept on saying things that they never got from the Lord. 
But there were others who remained faithful to the Lord. Elijah. And he was called the stirrer of Israel. There were Jeremiah and Isaiah and Daniel. And all of them suffered because of the truth of the word of God. And the, the prophets of the day did not believe in their message. And how can one then tell for who they are? It is not easy, but let's look at a few things from this chapter that we have read. First of all, they do their work secretly. They come in like wolves in sheep's clothing and introduce every, and, and in a very unobtrusive way new and destructive teachings. It seems as if what they teach flows from what is already known so that the average churchgoer would think it is just the natural next step. It happened in the times when Peter wrote this letter that some Gnostics who probably took the teachings of the gospel about being saved by grace, not, li not living under the law anymore, to mean that we are now so free that we can do our own thing. And the Bible says about them that they, although they teach freedom, they themselves are not free. Why? Because they follow their own ways. This ultimately led to destructive morals and open anarchy. That's what Paul talks about in verse 10. Especially those who indulge in the flesh and its corrupt desires and despise authority. You see, I'm free. I can do as I like. I'm not going to be led by anyone else. I'm not going to be told by anyone else. I'm free in Christ. I can do as I like. And therefore people go overboard not understanding that the freedom of Christ is to be a slave to grace and righteousness. In this sense then they deny the sovereign Lord who bought the church by his own blood to be his bride. What an accusation. This sad truth is that many following them and bring Christ and his church then into disrepute. How many times do we find this even in our day? That people are just following their own desires. And they don't want to be told. Because our spirit of this new age, our spirit of this postmodern theology says, don't tell me what is right and wrong. There is no such a thing. It all depends on just how you look at it. They are greedy for position and recognition. They are those who will, not, will do whatever it costs to get to the top of leadership. They will tell lies. They make up their own gospel and exploit the people for the sake of being the head honcho of the show. Church history, past and contemporary history, is littered with people like this. They form their own church. They break away from the rest, usually making themselves out to be the real church, while the church they left are made out to be the false church. Now, now let's, be, let's be honest here. There's much wrong with the established churches. There's much of of hypocrisy within our churches today. We need to get rid of that. 
But it doesn't mean that we're a false church. And then when they break away and form their own churches, they are accountable to no other body except themselves. People are attracted to these people who step out in faith. You get that one? They follow people who do it in faith. And many will tell you the heartbreaking stories of selling their houses, giving away large sum of money to those preachers, only to find out that those self-righteous leaders will not stand any opposition. They are the leader with wisdom and revelation, and who are you to dare stand up against them? Do I just talk about things you don't know about? These things are real. It's happening in our day. It's happening in our day. I can give you a word of warning. Never run after a preacher who has no accountability other than himself. There are just too many souls wrecked by independent preachers who do not have to give account to any other as far as his teaching is concerned or as far as the financial matters are concerned. An uncle of mine who was trapped into these things once said to me, if you want to get rich quickly, start your own church. And that's true. How many of these so-called pure and, 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 and true teachers of the word today live in palaces, drive in limousines, have their private jets ready for them? Can I just tell you something that, that I find an abomination in the eyes of the Lord? There's a church in Sydney, and I won't pinpoint that particular church by a specific name, but you've heard of that. I, I'm sure you have. They, they invited a lady who has given herself a doctorate degree, so by the way, and her books are selling by the million in the bookstores. She never studied for a doctorate degree. It was given to her because it was thought if she, if she can write doctor to her name, she'd be more read. Now, this church, a huge church with thousands and thousands of people attending there every day or every Sunday, invited her to come and talk to the ladies. But because of her busy schedule, she was not flown in from America in normal, what's the uh, economy class? No, it was not business class either, or first class. No, they said she needs rest so that she can speak with clarity when she arrives. She was flown in with a private jet, costing the church $30,000. Where do they get the money from? Is this well spent? Is this wise stewardship? If you are unhappy with the spiritual nourishment of your church, what do you do? Go to those whom your minister is accountable to. That's how the structures of the church work. Go to the others. If you've got an independent church, 
Where you can't go to anyone else, you can be sure you're going to be kicked out. If you don't like your church member, you're going to, your minister, you're going to be kicked out. If you're unhappy about the way your tithes and offerings are used, follow it up with those who are accountable. And if you're not happy on a local level, you can go to a higher level. But be, to belong to an independent church is dangerous. It is not the way of the Bible. Listen to verse 15. They, forsaking the right way, have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. I find it absolutely amazing that every time the Bible is referring to church leaders, one thing comes into play. And that is greediness. The Bible says they should not be lovers of money. An elderly lady rang me once. She suffered from a dreadful disease which caused her much pain. I'd been to her and we had prayed about that more than once. But when this new evangelist came to town with his big tent, she decided that she might ask him to pray for her, which she did. So she gave him a ring, and right there on the spot over the telephone, he laid hands on her and assured her that the Lord had healed her. Well, she didn't feel better. But what she rang me about some weeks later was that she received a bill from him for the services rendered. You think it's not true? That's true. It's true. Many others found themselves in similar situations. They lost loved ones and searched for consolation about the state of their loved one, and they suffered from a heavy or they suffered from a heavy laden conscience because they of the sins they committed, so they took refuge in a church leader, only to be told that a certain sum of money will bring peace to the soul of the deceased or peace to peace to their own minds in terms of their own sins. And over the ages, big cathedrals have been built with these monies, and many, many souls are still in bondage of sin and guilt. And the result is, the name of Christ and His church is brought in disrepute. Can I just tell you that that is one of the main obstacles that I have to face going out talking to people out in the bush. The only, they say the only thing you're after is money. And when they hear that we do this for nothing, they say, so where's the surprise? Well, there's no surprise. We just do it for the love of it, and God provides. And sometimes that opens a door for discussion. Therefore, these people are exploiters. Many can, more can, uh, can be said about this chapter, but let's just point out this one aspect. In the days of the early, uh, early church, Holy Communion were usually followed by what was known as love feasts. At occasions, at occasions like these, everyone would bring something for those who were in need. They would eat together, have a meal together, and then hand out what was given for the destitute. Now, that's a good thing, and I think we can do that too. Some of, these, then, some of these greedy, exploiting church leaders would then abuse these gifts 
either by taking it for themselves or by promising to give it to the needy and then do as they wish for people they personally favor. And it might even be that the poor widow whom they visit with these gifts is seduced by the so-called men of God. Therefore, in verse 14, having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed. And this happens in our day. Can I just then say, to use the words of the Bible today, these false teachers are like clouds without rain. And I don't need to tell you, coming out of, as we hope, out of a drought for many, many years, how many storms have you seen formed on the horizon? There was thunder in it. There was lightning in it. And then the wind took it away. And there was no rain in it. I'm afraid to say that some of these false teachers have a lot of thunder and a lot of lightning in them. But there's no rain. Their destruction will follow. God will not allow this to happen into all eternity. These people will give account one day. They will stand before God. And we can only think about the flood of the days and the days of Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah and how God dealt with the ungodly to understand why Peter called the church to be aware of the danger of false teachers. Therefore, my dear brother and sister, keep close to the word of God. This is your only weapon against false teachers and false teachings. Even if you know it, read it. If you've studied it, study it again. And defend it. Defend it. Use it as your armor to withstand the onslaught of the devil. And then be more than conquerors. May the Lord help us. In our church, even as we are gathering as an assembly, that we will be diligent with the word of God and not allow any false teaching to come in. Seed sown, which may lead to destruction further down the track. Let us pray. Our Father... We stand before you with uh, heavy hearts because we, we know what the Apostle, through your Holy Spirit, is teaching us today is exactly what we find in our days. How many people get up early in the early hours of the morning to follow these TV evangelists and many of them, Lord, are like the clouds without rain in it. We know of those who who just want to get rich. We know of those who do not have a pure theology. We know of those who have made it a business. And people are taken along
And we pray, Lord, that through the work of your Holy Spirit, people will once again be strong in their faith and the understanding of the knowledge of the Scriptures because that's the only way we will be able to withstand this onslaught. Help us, Father, to be strong, to be mature Christians for your sake and for your sake only. Amen.